tell you what, I could listen to that all day. That's some great music. Praise the Lord. When you came in this morning, you should have found on your pew a sheet that looks like this. We're going to read God's Word together today. And if you'll find that, please, in a moment, I'm going to have you stand and read the Word of God with me. As you probably already noticed with that sheet, we're going to be looking today at a psalm, Psalm 118. And we don't know who the human author was that wrote this psalm. We don't know exactly what the occasion was when it was written. Uh, Some good scholars think that it was written upon the restoration of the walls under Ezra and Nehemiah during their time. Others think, no, it was just some king who had a great victory that wrote this. And then another scholar I read said it was probably Moses who wrote this psalm during during the Exodus. And I lean toward that view uh, because in verse 14, you have the exact words that Moses uses in Exodus chapter 15. While we're not sure about some of those things about who wrote it, and when they wrote it, uh, we are sure that this is the last of the psalms known as the Halal Psalms, the Halal Psalms. The Psalms are 113 through 118 of the Halal Psalms. And the Jewish people would sing the Halal Psalms during Passover. So we understand that this would have been the very last song, psalm, that Jesus sang before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and then on to the cross. In fact, God's word says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 30, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So think about that today as we study this, the fact that Jesus would have sung this uh, pretty sure be the very last song that he sang before going on to the garden and then on to the cross. We're going to stand together and read just a moment. If you'll look at the way that it's printed for you, you'll notice certain portions are in regular print. Certain portions are in bold print. You're the bold print. Okay, and you see some are underlined. You say, what's that all about, preacher? Well, I'm going to keep reading on the underlined portions. So in other words, we'll start on that very first verse. I'll read the regular portion. You'd read the bold. We'll keep reading when it's underlined. We're all reading together. Okay, so just remember, read the bold and keep reading on the underlined. All right. Hopefully I won't mess up. You'll probably do it well, but I won't. Would you stand today in honor of God's word? We're going to read this together. Then we're going to study it together. Scholars seem to think this was written in such a manner where the worship leader would begin and then the congregation would respond. We're going to do that today. The Bible says in Psalm 118, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Let Israel now say, Let the house of Aaron now say, Let those who fear the Lord now say, I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord is on my side. The Lord is for me among those who help me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me. But in the name of the Lord, 
They surrounded me like bees. They were quenched like a fire of thorns. You pushed me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does violently, valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. God is the Lord, and He has given us light. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For his mercy endures forever. Would you remain standing while we pray? Father, thank you so much for your grace and mercy. Help us, Lord, to be grateful. Help us to live as a thanksgiving, not only from our lips, but from our life. Bless your word to our hearts now. Your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for reading God's word with me. You can use that sheet if you'd like. You can jot some notes. You can mark that up if you want. I'm sure you noticed as we were reading, perhaps, that uh, the psalm, Psalm 118, begins and ends with the same words, the exact same words. Psalm 118, verse 1 and verse 29 are identical. It is as if you have Thanksgiving bookends on this psalm here. And today we're thinking about the theme of Thanksgiving. We're centering our thoughts around uh, the, the very uh, issue of Thanksgiving. And uh, today I want to take us in a slightly different direction. What I mean by that is we often think of Thanksgiving and we count our blessings and we center our thoughts and attention on material things and physical blessings. And we're thankful for food and for shelter and for clothing and our, our job and our family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that is certainly proper. Uh, We should uh, be so grateful for those things. I'm not discounting that at all. Uh, We ought to praise the Lord for all of those material and physical blessings. And he has blessed us in such great ways. But there's a subtle and often unnoticed danger when we center our thoughts there. If we're not careful, we'll only center our attention upon the material and the physical And maybe not even think about or maybe even talk about or thank the Lord for the spiritual blessings that he's given to us. In other words, we tend toward one extreme to the neglect of the other. And so what I want to do today is go to the other extreme. And I want to center our thoughts not upon material blessings, not upon physical blessings, 
But center our thoughts today from Psalm 118 upon spiritual blessings. And I believe as we study Psalm 118, uh, it will help us to do just that. We find our attention again and again in this psalm being drawn to the Lord. I've already told you this is one of the Halal Psalms, but it's also a Messianic Psalm talking about the Messiah. Uh, when you read your Bible, you'll find some of these words here in Psalm 118 in the New Testament. In fact, uh, one scholar I was reading said that Psalm 118, which we read today, is the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. And it's the only psalm that's quoted by all four of the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. It's a messianic psalm. That is, we see the Lord Jesus here, though we don't know who the human author was or what the occasion was. We know who the author was. It was God, the Holy Spirit, who inspired these words. And if it was Moses, as I'm inclined to think about, as MacArthur said, it is it seems reasonable to propose that Moses possibly wrote this beautiful psalm to look back in worship at the Passover. And then to look forward and wander to the spiritual Passover, which would come in Christ. In fact, the Bible says in first Corinthians chapter five, therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover was sacrificed for us. So if it was Moses, he might have been thinking about that first Passover where the death angel comes in and those who had the blood upon the doorpost, the death angel passed over them as they were obedient and trusted the Lord. And he's looking forward to our Passover, the spiritual Passover, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we study today, I want to share with you basically three main thoughts, three main thoughts, three things we should be thankful for from Psalm 118. Number one, we should thank the Lord for his person. We should thank the Lord for his person. Would you go back again and notice in the beginning of this that there are three different groups that are mentioned and three different groups are called upon to praise the Lord? Notice it says there in verse two, let Israel now say. So we have the nations called upon. And as I said to you today, let Israel now say, and you declared back, his mercy endures forever. Then we find the priests are addressed in verse 3. Let the house of Aaron now say, and as you responded, his mercy endures forever. And then there's a general call that goes out in verse 4. Let those who fear the Lord now say, and as you responded today, his mercy endures forever. And I was thinking the majority of us here today do not fit in the first two groups, a part of the nation of Israel, literally, or a part of the the, the priesthood. But praise the Lord, we can be included in that third group, those who fear the Lord, those who know the Lord. And there are two reasons given here why we should praise him and thank him for his person. Did you notice them? First of all, because he's good. Go back to verse one. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Would you notice that the Thanksgiving mentioned here is not based upon us? It doesn't say, well, praise the Lord. Thank the Lord because of what he's done for you or what he's done for us. And he has done so much for us. But that's not the call here. Would you notice that the praise and Thanksgiving here is based upon who he is? It says, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Allow me to say that again. God is good. God is good. 
Now, really, that's enough for all of our praise, all of our worship, all that we have because of who he is. All our devotion, all of our thanksgiving is due him because of who he is. He is God and he is good. God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. Aren't you glad today that we serve a good God? I'm so thankful that I serve a good God. I'm not always good. I know that. I mess up. I get grouchy. I sin. I fall. I fumble. I I react in anger. I respond in ways I shouldn't respond. I'm not always good. If you were honest today, you might say the same thing. Listen, I'm not always good. But aren't you glad that God is always good? Aren't you glad we serve a good God? Hallelujah. We serve a great, wonderful God. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank him for his person because he is a good God. Imagine if he were not a good God. Imagine if we were in the hands of a God who was not good. Praise the Lord for his goodness. But notice, secondly, we're to thank him and his person for his person because of his unending mercy. Did you notice how many times it says for his mercy endures forever? His mercy endures forever. He wanted you to catch that five times. It's mentioned here. Verses one, two, three, four. Verse twenty nine. His mercy endures forever. Now, the Old Testament, the majority of it was written in the language of the Hebrew, the Hebrew language. And the word here is the word has said it's translated for us here as the idea of uh, mercy, enduring mercy. If you have a home in Christian, you'll notice that it's translated faithful love. And that is one of the meanings is faithful love endures forever. The meaning of hased, that Hebrew word literally is faithful to the covenant promise. In other words, God is faithful to keep his promise. And so we take all of that together. What he's saying there is the Lord is merciful. The Lord is faithful to keep his promise and his promises and his mercy, his faithfulness, his love. They are forever. They're unending. God is not going to change his mind about us. If we trusted the Lord Jesus and received him as our Lord and Savior, we've been promised heaven. We've been promised forgiveness. We've been promised to be an heir and joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. God is not going to change his mind about that. His mercy, his faithful love endures forever. It's unending. And so we praise the Lord today for his person because of who he is, because he's good and because of his unending mercy and faithful love. But there's a second thing here in this psalm, and that's this. We should thank the Lord for his protection, his protection. Look at it again with me, please. Look at verses five and six. I called on the Lord in distress. And by the way, when you find yourself in distress, that's the best call to make to the Lord. It says the Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I love verses eight and nine. Notice what it says. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Beloved, we're living in an uncertain world. Have you all noticed that? We're being bombarded right now about news of us heading toward a fiscal cliff. We're about to fall off. Uh, We don't even know now in our world how to prepare for our taxes next year. They haven't even decided how we're going to pay and what we're going to pay and who's going to pay uh, and all that. We've learned from the news today and, and the recent days. We can't trust some in the CIA. 
We can't trust some others in the Secret Service. And we can't even trust some in our armed forces. And so we look at the world today and we say it's so uncertain. Beloved, it's so bad, do you realize? We may, we may not be able to buy Twinkies next week. Did y'all know that? That's bad. You can't get Twinkies. Hostess is going under. We dare not trust in the government. We dare not trust in money. We dare not trust in men. We must make sure that our trust is in God alone. He's trustworthy. He is our protector. I'm thankful we still have that on our money. In God we trust. Oh, that it were more than a motto to so many who handle that money. Listen, we should be thankful to God for his protection. We don't know what's going to go on in our world. It's uncertain. We're bombarded with bad news. We don't know where we're, what's going on in our country at times. But praise the Lord. Our God is in control. We can trust him. He is trustworthy. He protects us physically, but he also protects us spiritually. And we don't even realize how much he does that. We should praise him and thank him for his protection, for his person. But thirdly, we should thank the Lord for his provision. Now we're getting to the sweetest part of all. Yes, the Lord provides our physical needs. All of us. You say, well, I work for my stuff. Well, who gave you the breath that you breathe? Who gave you the blood pumping through your body? Who allowed you to get out of bed this morning? God did. So don't boast in your ability. Don't boast in what you do. Boast of the Lord and his goodness. He provides for us physically, and we should be thankful. But remember, we're going to the other extreme today. We're focusing on the spiritual. And here we have the greatest provision of all. Did you notice it as we read? We read it together. Verses 22 and 23. The Bible says the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Now, I want you to understand something. He's talking about more than a building there, not just the cornerstone of a building. When you go to the New Testament, I want you to hear what Peter said. Jot this reference down if you're taking notes. First Peter two, six through eight. First Peter two, six through eight. Listen to what it says. Therefore, it is also contained in the scriptures. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him. So the cornerstone is a him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. Who's he talking about there? Who is the chief cornerstone? Listen to Matthew twenty-one forty-two. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stones which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Who is the stone? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the chief cornerstone, the Savior. And that's the greatest reason we have today to be thankful. Because of the greatest provision that God gave, and that was his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You may not realize it. But your greatest need is not money. 
Your greatest need is not security. Your greatest need is not worth or value. Your greatest need, beloved, is the forgiveness of your sin, the ransom of your soul, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has made a way. He is the way, the truth of the life. He's given you an opportunity to turn from your sin, place your faith in him and spend eternity in him. The greatest provision of all, the chief cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm grateful today to have a house to live in. I'm grateful today to have clothes to wear, food to eat. I'm thankful for friends. I'm thankful for family. I'm thankful for freedom. I'm thankful for beauty. But most of all today, I'm thankful that God so loved me that he sent his son to die for me, to be buried for me, to rise again for me, that I might know God, that I might have forgiveness, that I might be a child of God. I'm thankful today for a home in heaven. I'm thankful today for the forgiveness of sin. I'm thankful I'm no longer under condemnation. I'm thankful I'm free, I'm forgiven, and I'm full in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, get this. If you take away every physical blessing, if you take away every material blessing, if you take away every financial blessing, and you still have Jesus You have enough to be thankful for, for the rest of eternity. Think about that. The greatest provision, the Lord Jesus. But our God is so good. What does he do? He says, listen, I bless you not only spiritually. I bless you physically. I bless you materially. I bless you. We should be a grateful people, beloved. As the psalm reminds us today, we should be thankful for his person. He's good. His mercy is unending. Thankful for his protection. Though all hell may break loose around us, he's still on the throne. And thankful for his provision. The greatest provision of all. The Lord Jesus Christ. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? No one looking around today. I wonder in this last moment or two of our message, have you received God's provision? The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He sent Jesus for you. Jesus died for you, buried for you, arose for you, shed his blood for you. He desires a relationship with you. But you must turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. Have you received God's provision of salvation? If not, I want to invite you to receive him today. In just a moment, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation and we're going to invite you to come and just take my hand and I'll put you with someone who loves Jesus and loves you. And we'll sit down and answer any questions you have and share the gospel. Now, if you have received forgiveness of sin. And you know, Jesus, your savior, are you grateful today? I'm not talking about grateful for physical things and material things. I hope you are. You ought to be. I ought to be. We're talking about spiritual things today. Have you taken any time recently and really thought about all that God gave you when he gave you Jesus? I don't know about you, but I know I need to hit my knees again and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus.
We have our song of invitation in a moment. If you want to come and do that, we'd invite you to come. Father, it is with a grateful heart that we bow today. We thank you that you're a good God. Thank you for your enduring, faithful love and mercy. Thank you for your protection. And thank you, Lord, for your provision. Now, I pray right now for anyone who might be in this building that does not know Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit would be dealing with their heart even now. And Lord, you give them the courage to step out today. And say, I want to talk to somebody about receiving Christ as my Savior. And then I pray, Lord, for those of us who do know you already through Christ. Lord, help us to live lives of thanksgiving. To live lives of gratefulness. We pray now that you'll bless this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a closing song. It's number 638. Now, thank we all our God. And as we begin singing, I'm going to ask those that are getting baptized today, as soon as we start singing, you can make your way to the back and begin preparing. Friend, if you need to meet Jesus today, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. When we're singing, you just come take me by the hand and say, Preacher, I'd like to know Jesus. And I'll place you with someone who will take the Bible and sit down and share Christ with you. And then if you're here today and you're already a believer, you just want to come and bow again. And praise the Lord and thank Him for Jesus. Thank Him for His provision. You come as we sing. 638, those getting baptized, you step right out. Everybody else, the altar is open today. 638, now thank we all our God. Let's stand and sing 638.